You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you in further. You step forward little by little not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. Welcome to the Deeper Waters Podcast. I am Nick Peters, your host, and we've got an interesting conversation that's going to be going on today. We're going to be talking about the world of art. Now, probably a few years ago, I wouldn't have been as interested in this, and then I got married, and I happened to marry an artist, particularly someone who loves doing anime and manga and things of that sort which probably, I couldn't have told you what those were exactly a few years ago. I would have recognized words, but I didn't know what they were. And so, I've really been opened up to the world of art a lot more. And, you know, art is everywhere, all around us. You go to a movie, you watch a television show, uh, advertisements, even billboards driving down the road. Everyone uses art. Are Christians using art? We do, but could we do better? And to do that, have a, to have that conversation, I should say, I decided I'd have an artist come on. And I chose David Wilkie, because I always liked the comic strip, Coffee with Jesus. Aside from thinking it should be called Tea with Jesus, but aware. And I was thrilled when I saw IVP actually carries the books of Coffee with Jesus. And I decided, yeah, why not have him come on? So, um, David Wilkie was born in Germany of a Californian army father and a New York Italian mother. He considers himself a transcontinental American, so he's still trying to find a home state. In his earliest days, Dave was fascinated with the written word as well as the audio and visual arts. He enjoyed most the ability of all these mediums to make people laugh and think. Compiling audio montages became a hobby early on. He's held numerous and varied positions in his career that starred in journalism. If you count delivering the Washington Post as a sixth grader as a job in journalism, he's been an advertising copywriter, creative director, producer, musician, on-air talent, clergyman, factory repairman, and artist. Sometimes all at once. His favorite role is that of grounds maintenance foreman, I'm guessing the pun intended, for Radio Free Babylon, the organization he found with his wife Katie in 2000. You can't edit a mold and manicured lawn, he says. He lives in Florida with Roman, the Italian shepherd. So, David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nick. Uh, thanks very much. Mm-hmm. Now, if uh, my audience doesn't know who you are, to where they're not familiar with the comics and such, tell us a bit about how you got to be doing what you're doing. Well, I used to uh, keep a blog pretty regularly, Nick, and mm-hmm. I would just, um, I would post um, just thoughts on art, on marketing, advertising, which is, been uh, the focus of my career for the last 20 years and I I also you know, I like to make people laugh I always have yeah. it's just something mm-hmm. I don't know growing up in a big family it's how you got attention I guess yeah. but, <laughs> but um, one day it was during the um, I think it was during the t- it was in between the oh wait it was about 2011 and there was a whole lot of talk in this country about 
Um, well, politics and religion were getting very mixed up uh-huh. on, on both sides. You know, the the right wing and the left wing were were all, for lack of a better phrase, claiming that Jesus was on their side. Uh-huh. And I just posted a single panel comic of Jesus sitting around a table with these three adults dressed in 1960s garb and he was basically telling them that you know I'm I'm not a registered voter and by the way I'm not American so there <laughs> <laughs> and people really liked it so I turned it into a, a four panel and just kind of experimented with it mm-hmm. and bef- before I knew it it just it took off on Facebook and and um, it turned into a couple of books, mm-hmm. so, and now it's a a full time response. Well, it it doesn't pay, but it's a it's a very real real responsibility now. I, I understand that my show doesn't pay me, unfortunately. <laughs> I get by on donations and such, but it is a full time responsibility. And we had on here a couple of weeks ago Rodney Reeves and Randy Richards, who co-wrote along with David Capes, Rediscovering Jesus. And he had a, a d- discussion in there about uh, if we only had one source for Jesus, say one, say one gospel or the epistles or revelation, how would we view Jesus? And my favorite chapter in there was when they in- interacted with other versions of Jesus outside the Bible, and he said, the American Jesus. <laughs> that, that was a wonderful chapter. All right, I haven't read that, but I re- that's a, what's the title again? Rediscovering, Rediscovering Jesus. I'm going to write that down right now. It comes from IVP. And, oh, okay. Yeah. I and, should have known that. <laughs> a fellow like, IVP author. Yeah. I like what you said about the uh, making people laugh. Cause that's been something as well in our family, except here in Tennessee where we live. At least in our family, everyone speaks sarcastically. That is oh, yeah. our language. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife came here and she, she lived in Atlanta when I married her and we lived in Charlotte at the time, and we came back here, and we went over to see my aunt one day, and Allie said, everyone speaks sarcastic around here. I don't get in. My aunt said, oh, yes, we all speak sarcastically. We all insult one another, but we don't really mean it. And I just said, we don't? <laughs> uh, did, did, does your family have the phrase, uh, bless his heart? No, we don't do that one, actually. My wife's family will use that when what they really mean is that boy is a mess. <laughs> In fact, we uh, go to a celebrate recovery around here to for, for something that we, we got going on. And in the group that I'm in, they've come to realize I'm sarcastic, and they come to like it so much so that uh, <clears throat> I wear one of two T-shirts. I mean, one that either says sarcasm, just one of my many talents, or National Sarcasm Society, like we need your support. <laughs> and, and then, of That's course, good. you know, you know I, <clears throat> I have people tell me all the time that sometimes I can be patronizing, which, by the way, it means I talk to people like they're stupid. <laughs> 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 yeah, this is going to be a good interview. I can tell we're going to get along great. Uh, <laughs> when I was doing research also, with, I put in your name in a search box and had something interesting come up. There was a Scottish painter named David Wilkie. That yes, there was. Or is that any relation to you? No. There was also an Olympic uh, British swimmer named mm-hmm. David Wilkie. Mm-hmm. 
and no relation at all. Mm. Okay. Oh. Fascinating coincidence, though. <laughs> now, you're also in charge of an organization called Radio Free Babylon. What does that mean? That is... Uh, <laughs> that is... Uh, well, Nick, that's, I like to keep that one under wraps. Ah. It's, it's, a, it's a mysterious name for a reason, uh-huh. and it's, uh, well, Revelation 18, I'll, I'll point you there. Mm-hmm. If your listeners want to look it up, they can figure out why I call the organization Radio Free Babylon. Just go to Revelation 18. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what do you what do you do at Radio Free Babylon? Because you said the comics that started in 2011, but Radio Free Babylon started in 2000. Well, we were we were doing a podcast, my wife and I, and just life kind of took over. You know, our jobs, and I was uh, very interested in creating music for a good long while, and before I knew it. Coffee with Jesus kind of took over Radio Free Babylon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I started the organization back in uh, 2000, my wife said, "Yeah, I, I was really struggling with, with what it was going to be, what it was supposed to be, what this mission was all about. And my wife said, you don't know what Radio Free Babylon is going to be. And she didn't mean that negatively. She was just meaning, you know, mm-hmm. let go yeah. and stop Stop trying to treat it like some corporation. And she was absolutely right. I had mm-hmm. no idea it would turn into a a comic strip mm-hmm. where Jesus is uh, educating American Christians. Yeah, I found the same thing when I started Deeper Waters. I always wanted a ministry, but first it started with just a blog. Then I started posting regularly. Then a few years ago, after being interviewed on shows, and I thought, you know... Everyone's doing this podcast thing. I need to get started on that. And and my father-in-law said, hey, you know, you could have some guests come on every now and then. I thought, you know, every now and then would be good. Except now it's turned to every single week because that's apparently what people really want. And it, it's very little of me and it's more about this. And I say if anything I'm doing is making a major impact right now, it is this podcast. And yeah, well, I mean, things just go where you, you don't expect them to go. Yeah, it's so true. So, and, and I like what you said. It's not, you know, it's not about you. Yeah. That's that's the reason you won't see my name on the comics on Facebook. Mm. I mean, naturally, I had to put them, I had to put my name on the book. Right. But even then, I struggled with my editor. Do I use a pen name? Mm-hmm. Because this isn't about me. And mm-hmm. Can it just be by Radio Free Babylon? And he was like, no, come on. Mm-hmm. You are who you are. Just put your name on it. Yep. Now, tell us about coffee with Jesus. If someone hasn't isn't familiar with a comic strip, what can <laughs> they expect when they read it? Well, it's a, a very simple four-panel series. Mm-hmm. Uh, cons- there are regular occurring characters, Carl, his wife Lisa, mm-hmm. their friend Anne, mm-hmm. um, a, these, those three are all Christians, um, their friend Kevin, Kevin was a Christian and is now on the agnostic track, mm-hmm. and, but he still talks to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a clergyman by the name of Joe, 
And Joe, by the way, is modeled after a... I dedicated the second book uh, to the actual Joe, who I'm, mm-hmm. who inspired the name for the clergyman character. Uh, Joe wears the traditional priest collar, but that's only so that he can buy it, be identified as a clergyman. Mm-hmm. He's not... Many people assume by that that he's Catholic. I, I don't say whether he is or not. Um, he's You don't know what he is. I don't know what yeah. he is. Mm-hmm. And the final character is Satan, and Satan periodically sits down to coffee with Jesus. The first panel and the third panel will feature one of these characters just presenting Jesus with a question, a problem, a complaint. Mm-hmm. And frames two and four are Jesus' response to them. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, the way I describe it is it's an illustration of of what prayer can be, you know, just an honest yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's a two-way conversation. It's not it's not a recitation of some formulaic thing. It's a it's a time of listening and it's a time of uh a time of, you know, opening your heart and being honest. Yeah, I think one of our favorite trips involved Joe a clergyman about having a sermon and asking Jesus, I said, well, people are like what they want to hear it. Okay, be honest for us. And Prina said something like, if Oprah Winfrey and Joel Osteen had a love child and named it Tony Robbins, that would have been your sermon last Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites too, Nick. I'm glad you liked that one. Yeah, now, there are there are some people every now and then who, I mean, who do get concerned. They say, isn't it a bit hasty of us or foolish of us in some to act like we're putting words in Jesus's mouth. I mean, do, do you encounter that often? Um, yes, to be honest with you, I do. And mm-hmm. uh, to that, I simply say, you know, what what is uh, what's happening in church on a Sunday when yeah. a, a preacher is interpreting the words, you know, mm-hmm. or what's happening in your own prayer life when mm-hmm. you're imagining maybe yeah. or actually hearing from God or mm-hmm. um, you know is is your prayer life a one-way thing and you don't get answers you know I mm-hmm. I think it's completely um, interpret it's simply me interpreting my own mm-hmm. my own Christian life I'm not yeah. literally putting words I'm not saying Jesus said this clearly yeah. it's a comic strip I mean, yeah yeah, it's it's the same burden I give you that a preacher faces on Sunday because unfortunately too many people out there in the pews they very essentially take what a preacher says as gospel, and mm-hmm. so a preacher does have to be careful. I I used to use a term a lot where I'd talk about what I called regurgitating Christians, where they didn't read the Bible for themselves, they didn't study for themselves, they just heard what their preacher said, and they didn't really digest it, they just puked it right back out again. <laughs> Mhm. Mhm. That's that's very true. There's a a preacher I really like to listen to um mm-hmm. by the name of Alistair Begg. Are you familiar with Truth for Life? Oh yeah, I've uh, listened to it quite a few times. He he's a really good one. And he often tells his congregation, "You're intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Uh look this up for yourselves. Don't take my word for it." Mhm. I I agree because if people don't know how to look things up for themselves, it pretty much does become just a cult mentality out there for us. 
and, and there's no excuse. Right. I mean, now mm-hmm. you've got your iPad and your phone with you pretty mm-hmm. much 24-7. There's yep. so many really cool Bible apps, or if you don't have one of those, just go to Google, mm-hmm. and you, you'll almost always land on mm-hmm. uh, gotquestions.org, I think, is yeah. one of the really good ones. That's a re- Are you familiar with that site? Uh, I think I've been there before. I think it's an apologetic site. Yep. Let me see. That guy's got a really good handle on... Uh, Active. It's one out the same for it. Could be someone that I might have actually done some debating on, but yeah, I oh, see really? this site right here. I just yeah. can't. Yeah, yep. You know how these blogs and such have uh, have comment sections, and so many times I'll find myself on just debating and such. Uh huh. Sure. But, yeah, and I think there's no excuse today. I mean, in fact, just last month I. I had my birthday, and my in-laws sent me an Amazon gift card because they knew what I was wanting. They were just having a hard time finding it on Amazon. And what I ordered was a set of speakers for my Kindle Fire so that if I'm driving, I can plug it in and my Kindle in, have them both charging the whole way and playing the whole way, and I can be reading my book at the same time. And heck, even nowadays, if I'm getting a shower, I turn that on and I listen to a book while I'm in there. Like, hey, why waste the time? <laughs> that's, uh, that's, man, I, I couldn't do that, Nick. Shower time is, uh, that's quiet time for me. <laughs> just... Yeah. Uh, my, my wife likes to use them also for, for what she listens to on her, her eye touch and such. Me and a friend, my regular debate if it should be considered music or not, but oh, where? So, so Nick, can I ask you a question or two? Sure. Is, um, What's your regular job, your full-time job? What pays your bills? Right now, I don't really have anything, so it oh, is man. donations, Sorry. and Ali lives on disability, and so okay. we have some of that come in, but mainly it's donations right now. That's one of the reasons I stress it so much. I am working on a master's in New Testament, though, and once I get that master's, I could probably be teaching distance learning, and uh, my my in-laws, Mike and Debbie Lacona, I'm sure you know the name Mike Lacona, he's going to have me come on for a time for his ministry. And so they're raising funds right now for that. Now, Mike is your, did you say your yes. father-in-law? Yes. Okay. I just looked him up. Houston yeah. Baptist. Yep. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, when we are looking at the strip, one thing I like that you said also is that you use humor a lot. And I just find that so essential because so many preachers and teachers that we meet today, they can just be dry and boring to listen to. And you can have great content in there, but if your audience is zoning out and not paying attention, they're not going to hear it. It's That's very true. And... That's the biggest challenge of mm-hmm. Coffee with Jesus is making the strips not just theologically sound and not well it's it's theologically sound mm-hmm. and funny at the same time. Right. It's it's a challenge mm-hmm. and sometimes I miss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, often oftentimes I miss it. The, mm-hmm. w- the the way I put the comments together is I'll just 
I'll have an issue. It might be something I'm dealing with. It might be something I know somebody else is dealing with. But I will try to address it, try to make it funny. And then my wife comes in as my first uh, test reader. Mm-hmm. And she has one of, there's, I think she has about three reactions in her quiver. Mm-hmm. The, the, fir- the first one is, the the one I always hope for, which is never on the first round, is laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote one the other day. She not only laughed out loud, she gave me a hug. Mm. I'm like, wow, I got a hug for a comic. That's amazing. I'm posting that's this all, one. That's all the motivation you need. <laughs> right. And then the other reaction is, mm, that's not funny. Or, no, you cannot say that. You know. <laughs> Have you ever gone against her on number three? I, you know, I did once, and or twice. It might have been twice, and they turned out to be very successful comics. Mm. And we went through a little couple week period after that where she was going, "No, don't ask me. What do I know?" <laughs> Clear. <laughs> I, I, I was reading and asking. So <clears throat> after you put the comic, how was the couch that evening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she's a good sport about yeah. it. G.K. Chesterton once wrote something there. He said that we often have this idea that funny and serious are opposites. The opposite of funny is just not funny. And the opposite of serious is not serious. And we shouldn't confuse those two as if if you're funny, you're not serious. And if you're serious, you're not funny. Yeah, I um, just lost my train of thought. Oh, I remember. I don't know who said it, but there is truth in all humor. Uh-huh. And I, I believe that. I mean, the some of the best comics out there are simply observing humanity mm-hmm. and society and reporting back to us about yep. how silly we are or mm-hmm. flat out stupid we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all Mark Twain basically did. Yeah, I've also been told that if uh, although he's not held in the highest light right now, but Bill Cosby, if you went back to his routines. He never told jokes. Never told a joke. He just told the truth. Told yeah. what happened, and it was hysterical. I don't know what your TV watching habits are or anything, but mm-hmm. a modern day, uh, I think if this guy were to get serious, he would be the best preacher in the world, and that's Chris Rock, mm. because he does nothing but tell the truth. He can get a little raunchy at times, but when he's just talking about human relationships and society mm-hmm. and politics it's i mean it's loaded with profanity often mm-hmm. too often but he's he's just telling what he sees yeah i <clears throat> i've never watched him on television but i have seen that video he's put about how to how to not get arrested by the police and <laughs> it, it, it's very straightforward it's pretty much don't break the law uh-huh yeah <laughs> And I've also got over here in my library a book about The Humor of Christ by uh, Elton Trueblood. And I think we forget <coughs> in our day and age that Jesus was actually a funny guy. He was carrying jokes when he went around. I, I, do, you, do you have an example? I'm trying to think of the one that I cited. The main one that I think about is where he talks about you can't remove a speck from your brother's eye until you take the log out of your own eye. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or or um, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Or the camel through the eye of a needer. 
Right. People, I, those were laugh lines. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, his audience was mm-hmm. often the, the poor and the rejected of society. Mm-hmm. Those people got what he was saying. You know, he's, yeah. he's poking fun. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's making people laugh. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to read, it's too many years of, I don't know what it is, but there's a tendency, I think, on a lot of people's part, my own for a long time as well, to imagine, maybe it's too many movie depictions, you know, even, you know, you think of Jesus of Nazareth, that old TV miniseries. Yeah. And Jesus is always this very quiet, talking British man. Solemn, holy guy. Yes, who... Said thee thine and thou. King James language. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I. He was a real guy. Mm-hmm. People. People wouldn't have followed the depiction that we have in movies and TV. Yeah. It's like, who's this pasty wimp? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he wouldn't have gotten invited to parties. That's true. He gets invited to a wedding of Cana, and it's clear. He hasn't done any miracles yet at this point. He's not a people, but he's got his disciples, and someone obviously said, you know, Jesus is a pretty fun guy. Let's invite him to the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. He didn't have a reputation at that point. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems that so many Christians, they think if you talk about Jesus, if you talk about God, you have to be totally, totally serious. And in some cases, I agree, but I say you can be seriously funny. At the same time, I mean, so many of our jokes involve like Peter at the pearly gates or God uh-huh. doing something. And we have to tell these kinds of jokes if if we don't have any humor in what we're doing. Chances are we're not really taking it seriously. I've I've been accused of being irreverent mm-hmm. in yep. the comic, and there's probably a little bit of truth to that. But mm-hmm. that that doesn't mean. Um, I don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm just trying to take away that mm-hmm. that that Sunday mask mm-hmm. that, is, that is just too common. Yeah, and when we we think about where people like to go and such to have a good time, very few of us would say, "Hey, we're going to go to the church. That's a a good place to <laughs> hang out." As it turns out, my wife and I attend a Lutheran church here. It's actually called The Point. And we meet at a movie theater before the service starts, but this theater is at a mall. And we've got our own office at the mall, and there have been times we've been out around there because it's in the west part of town. We live in the more eastern part of the go. And, you know, we're going to be hanging out in town. We don't need to come away back home. Why don't we just go to the church office and hang out? And we go to the church office, and hang out, and every time I think about it, I think, wow, this is so incredible. I would never think about driving around and saying, yeah, we got some time to cure. Hey, you want to go to the church? And <laughs> no, we go to your office. They got free Wi-Fi set up there. They've got tea and coffee, and they've got some board games you can play. And you just sit and talk with people that come in, and it is a great place of fellowship. And I mean, why can't the church be like this? More often, I mean, not our church, but the church universal. Because usually, when we think about church, it's much we're dragging ourselves in, we're sitting there, and then we're usually on our devices and such and thinking, okay, when am I going to get for lunch after the service? Mm-hmm. That's so true. Mm-hmm. 
I think it'd be very good for a lot of people to read G.K. Chesterton. In fact, on this kind of topic, Chesterton, he was pretty much just a big kid running around, and he filled his writings with humor. He, yeah, it's it's so it's subtle though because it's in that that the nineteenth century turn of the century style. Mm-hmm. I I I often hear the the sarcasm in Chesterton after the fact. Chesterton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know when you're also talking about the impact that that an artist can have, and especially trying to be theologically sound and funny at the same time. Although I understand he wound up being a secular humanist. I mean, I do have on my bookshelf here the book, The Parables of Peanuts. And there's even another one about the gospel according to peanuts. And Hmm. I think pretty much every comic strip artist today has been somehow influenced by Charles Schultz and what he did with peanuts. And it was just a theologically sound comic strip and it's still reaching people today. Oh, there's a there's a Peanuts movie oh, that yeah. just came out. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. It's actually coming out next month. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm thinking right now that we've got Christmas time coming up soon and pretty much everyone gathers around Christmas time and they watch a Charlie Brown Christmas that's so true, yeah. And then right in the middle of that special, and that way, I, it's my understanding they almost didn't put this scene in there. And I can't imagine, I cannot imagine at all the show without that scene. But Linus goes into the center of the stage <clears throat> and talks about what Christmas is all about. And he's giving a straight narrative from the Gospel of Luke. And how many people are hearing that every year now? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Does it seem to you that we Christians are often downplaying what we can do with art? Oh, that's been a debate in the Christian community for years and years. I think mm. I think it was Frankie Schaefer that wrote Addicted to Mediocrity mm. about Christians in the arts. Um, we don't... I think we value art in the mm. Christian community, but... I don't think we give our best, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. I worked in the Christian music industry, at least in the radio side of it, for mm-hmm. a couple of years, and the quality of contemporary Christian music was just so second-rate. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as production values, uh, song structure, it was, uh, lyrically, it was uh, just... I'm sorry, but I can't. I can't listen to lyrics from a 19-year-old girl who's, in effect, being a minister. That's mm-hmm. what they. That's what they were calling themselves, music ministers. And it was, the industry had taken over the ministry, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. I'm on a soapbox here. Keep going. <laughs> but it it was lacking um, quality. It was mm-hmm. just. It was just yeah. second rate. Um. I'm surprised at how starved I've discovered people are for Christian humor, and I'm delighted that they've, you know, latched onto this comic strip. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think we do downplay it, and 
and don't value it as much as we could as, or use it as effectively as we might. We were, we were talking about um, reverence and humor and seriousness. Mm. I remember uh, it was years ago. I was living in Missouri, and a newspaper reporter went out to visit these, I believe they were Trappists. I don't know what type of monk they were, but they had a little community out in the hills, and their big um, business was making fruitcake, mm -hmm. which, of course, Christmas was their big season. And just as a human interest story, a reporter went out to visit these monks, I think might have stayed the night, and was just struck by the the quietness of their surroundings and their lack of technology and and finally asked them, what do you guys do for entertainment? And the monk very, I don't know how he said it, but to me it was just the most profound answer. He said, we watch the seasons change. We watch the dogs play. Mm -hmm. And when you watch a dog play with another dog, you know, it makes you laugh. It makes, oh, yeah. it's, it's fun. It's funny. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's it's not slapstick. Nobody's getting hurt. No one's being insulted. Mm -hmm. It's just a good time. It's it's laugh-inducing, and mm -hmm. there, there's humor there. Yeah, I can't help but think about the old joke that we all know the reason the internet was invented, so we could all share pictures of cats. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's still going on. I walked into a woman's office mm -hmm. this week at work, and she's watching cat videos. Mm -hmm. It was just. <laughs> Oh, it, it's going on so much. I put a cat video up that we made on my Facebook <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago. My my wife was in bed, and <clears throat> she had a cat laying next to her, and he was, they were both facing out towards me. <clears throat> and I noticed whenever she put her hand on his back, his ba he stood straight up on his back. He had his front down, but his back went straight up. And I said, huh, we have to do something with this. We have to have some fun with this. So, I started recording and say, "Okay, everyone, exercise time with Shiro." And up, and she put her hand on his back, and up, and down, and up, and down, and <laughs> up, and down. Oh, that's good. And if we're wondering about the use of humor, I mean, that that is an illustration because one of the main things that's used as arguments, unfortunately, today are internet memes going around. They're meant to show her, hey, this position that you're holding, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I've been of the opinion that a meme should not be an argument, but it can be a great illustration of an argument. True. You can't mm -hmm. you can't say so there at yeah. the end of, at the end of a meme. You know, yes. Yeah. And they're so short lived mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. It it's that seems to be the way we communicate our opinions now mm -hmm. is these shared images. Uh, I often see people tagging their friends in a on one of the comics. They'll say, "Hey, you know, Jim, this is what we were talking about." Mm -hmm. Or, "Take that, Bill. Mm -hmm. This is this is my side." Mm -hmm. You know, and when we talk about the uh, music, what you're talking about, I I agree. I've been a critic in many ways of uh, a lot of the Christian music that I hear today. Some might think I'm too tough sometimes, and maybe I am, but I tell people a lot of times, I miss singing the old hymns. I mean, when I grew up in church, I thought the hymns were pretty boring. But now I look and say, those hymns, a lot of them had some really great theology in them. Exactly. Great those, doctrine. Yeah. They're very 
they're very uh, sound mm-hmm. compared to what what passes nowadays. Yeah, honestly, when I hear a lot of Christian music, a lot of it, it either sounds like you could sing this to your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and it would work just as well, or it's therapy, pretty much, meant to build you up and make you feel better, or it's just all about me. It's like, oh, this is what God does for me. This is how much God thinks about me. And, you know, you should have some of that last one, but you should definitely make sure it goes in reverse, too. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I mean, there is there is a lot of good worship music. I'm, oh, yeah. I was I was speaking more of the the pop. Oh yeah. And and the rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I I have nothing against Christian rock. One of my biggest influences musically was uh, Phil Keggy, mm-hmm. and he, I think he's he's probably gone the instrumental route for the very reason we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's it was just too light and too silly. Mm-hmm. But he could he could make some really good music. When I was living in Charlotte with a roommate who turned out to be the best man at my wedding, he he loved Phil Kagey's music. Mm-hmm. I, I'd normally say I don't get into instrumental music, but I'd realize pretty quickly that's not the case, because if you turn on something from, say, Final Fantasy, or something like that, because I'm big into the game industry. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that'll get me going, because the, <laughs> the music just brings up all the moods and such, and it's got a powerful effect, and today, with a lot of our pop music and such, we're really missing a beat. I think it wasn't there even one Christian artist, I think it was either Rick Green or Richard Marlins who said that one of the problems we also have today is we got a lot of selling of what he called Jesus junk going mm. around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to end up in that category with my mm-hmm. with my comics. <laughs> Although yeah. it's been it's been lumped over there by a few. Yeah, the thing with Jesus junk is, is it looks like we get some sort of idea that the world is going on and we just copy it. It's there's not any originality going on. Uh huh. I I did a comic about that where Jesus said, um, w- the two ladies Lisa and Anne were considering starting a Christian cupcake business. Mm-hmm. And basically, Jesus calls them out and says, you know, isn't that what Christians do? Just mm-hmm. take a popular trend and mm-hmm. slap a cross on it and call it Christian. And then you have one also with Jesus saying, and exactly how many souls has your uh, has your Christian fish bumper sticker won over? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a danger in having those uh, you know, if you're in a hurry yeah. Yeah, sometimes we are, and you're driving fast, maybe maybe a little recklessly. Uh-huh. That, that fish sticker is a bad witness to somebody. I mm-hmm. guarantee it. It, it makes it seem today also that people think they can just strap on a t-shirt that says something about Jesus and go out and just walk around and say, hey, I've done my evangelism today. Well, no, no, you haven't. Yeah. Would another area of concern about artwork you be uh, <clears throat> Christian movies and television as a way it occurs? For the most part, it just seems so sappy and cheesy to me. Mm-hmm. 
uh, one of the things that seems to drive me nuts about a lot of Christian movies is I think we have to spell the gospel out explicitly every single time because you know this audience is too stupid to get it on their own. Even even the most celebrated quote on the first problem is when a movie gets labeled Christian. Yeah. In, instantly, you've lost most of your potential audience, uh-huh. and and now you're just going to be trying to go the uh, last temptation of Christ route and get the churches to go see your movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sorry, wrong movie. Um, Passion, Passion of the Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The other one was Scorsese's blasphemous mm-hmm. drivel. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, the most ce- the most celebrated in uh, recent memory in the Christian film quote uh, category was um, Steve Taylor's directed directed it. It was called Blue Like Blue Like Jazz, I think. Uh-huh. and it did that very thing, you know, where it tried to be edgy. There was drinking, there was smoking, maybe there was a little bit of light profanity mm-hmm. but in the end they had to do the spell out the gospel thing mm-hmm. and and the horrible character has the light turned on for him and mm-hmm. it it doesn't have to be so blatant it can be symbolic it can be mm-hmm. it can be a I mean well you know what I'm saying yeah well I think the prime example that we could use of this <clears throat> was a guy who passed away over 50 years ago C.S. Lewis and mm-hmm. how he perfect, wrote, perfect. For, yeah, he wrote for Chronicles of Narnia, and I've even heard some atheists debating on a show like Unbelievable right about Narnia. Said I didn't even realize what that was, what was going on until years, years later. And then sometimes they can be angry. Say I didn't believe, I couldn't believe I had the gospel being preached to me in a book series. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I have gone to see all of the movies so far and we're free that the silver chair is coming out definitely want to go see all of them we can and when we saw the last one we were in Atlanta with my in-laws to go see it saw it in 3D really nice and we were so stunned that they kept that line in there with Aslan saying to one of the children saying in your world I am known by a different name perhaps Mm. the reason you came here to know me here is that you might know me better there and I understand C.S. Lewis's grandson was heavily involved with the movies and he fought tooth and nail to keep that line in there oh that's amazing mm-hmm. that's... and then going on from there we can talk about Lord of the Rings has become geekdom entirely oh, oh 100% yeah but yeah, yeah those, those two were buddies yeah. Tolkien and uh, mm-hmm. Lewis. And I I like to watch The Big Bang Theory. That's some of my entertainment. And the last time I was in Atlanta, I did watch an episode with my mother-in-law, and it was an episode where they find one of the rings that was used in Lord <laughs> of the Rings. So it's all with Lord of the Rings jokes all <laughs> throughout. And it's like, this is, this is the gospel getting through. And as a gamer, some of my favorite games are role-playing games, and role-playing games would not exist today if it wasn't for J.R.R. Tolkien and what he did, and he was giving a Christian story in what he did. Hmm. Yeah. You know who's a good example of... Um, you You brought up Tolkien, and that mm-hmm. called to mind a 
the, one of the super fans of of uh, Lord of the Rings is Stephen Colbert, mm. and he even had a a minor role, a bit part in because he's such a fan he and yeah. a celebrity. He managed to get himself a bit part in one of the recent movies. Mm-hmm. But he's an example of a guy living his Christian life in the entertainment industry. Right. He's a perfect example of that. He's a practicing Catholic, and I hope mm-hmm. no... I mean, I was raised Catholic. I am not anymore, but um, I oftentimes in, in Protestant circles, you know, Catholics aren't even considered Christians. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't hold that view. Yeah, same here. Uh, I, I've seen Stephen Colbert. One thing I've heard, he teaches Sunday school at his church. And he actually has had Bart Ehrman come on his show, talk about his books, and arguing against Bart Ehrman. He's argued against Lawrence Krauss on his show. As hmm. well. I think this is someone who knows what he's talking about. I mean, he says... Bart Ehrman comes on stuff. It was be scholars saying that according to the scholars I've read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't back down. He's not afraid at all. Mm-hmm. I really, I really appreciate that guy. If I could get a copy of my book into his hands, I'm, I'm quitting my day job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the movies that we talk about, though, I mean, like you said, if you put Christian on it, it goes away. Entirely. I mean, when we had uh, Fifty Shades of Grey come out recently, and, you know, that caused such a controversy, so many Christians making statements about it and such, and I understand that. Then, yeah, it came out at the same time a movie called Old Fashioned, which was meant to be a counterpart to that, meant to say, where well, here's a different way. And I say, honestly, if I was on the outside looking in, and wasn't a Christian, and I saw these two movies side by side, but which one am I going to want to go see? I'd probably go see Fifty Shades of Grey. Right, old old fashioned. I'm not even familiar with that, but yeah, it 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 sounds like a protest film uh-huh. made entirely for the Christian audience. And it just shows that if we're doing this kind of thing, I, I posted something and said. If we Christians keep doing this, all we're doing is we're staying in reaction mode. And if we're staying on reaction mode, we're not going to be gaining any ground. We're going to be on the defensive entirely. And movies like Fifty Shades and such, they're selling big. And there's no reason Christians can't make movies that we're sell well, except we just don't. And if they sell well... They pretty much sell only to a Christian audience, and mm-hmm. then we're, we're just preaching to the choir. I mean, there's a place for getting the message out to the choir, but you need to be able to get the message out there so other people will want to hear it as well. You don't change the message, of course, but you make it in a way that people want to hear the message. Right, and that's kind of what I hope mm-hmm. is happening with, with Coffee with Jesus mm-hmm. in the... I used to read the comments. I don't anymore simply because they just yeah. I I can't. I <laughs> there there are too many and they're they're often people fighting their little doctrinal, mm-hmm. you know, squabbles. But the ones that I really enjoyed were people saying this is the Jesus I want. Mm-hmm. 
or um, you know, I'm not a Christian, but I love this comic strip. Oh yeah. Uh, that's that's, I mean, that makes it all worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you entirely on reading the comment section. I've I did a debate with Ken Humphreys maybe about a year or so ago on if Jesus existed. I argue the positive, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> and and some people and said, yeah, that debate's up on YouTube. You know what's going on in the comments section? No, I'm not watching anymore. I watched for a couple of days. Eh, sorry, not doing it. Cause yeah, it can just... Uh, people are vicious. People are vicious, and they don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's so true. So you get people that are angry and uninformed together. And, an, and anonymous. Oh, yes. So I'm hiding here behind a fake name in my house in wherever. And mm-hmm. You'll never see me, but I can call you names and and spout my nonsense. It's, it happens in, in everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter. The, the, the news story could be about a car crash, and it'll turn into a political debate uh-huh. in the comments. It's Obama's fault. No, it isn't. It's the right wing's fault. Yeah, one of my friends put something on Facebook recently about how there were two things on top of an internet search they did, and one of them was atheists complaining about Christians using everything they can to advance Christianity, taking advantage of any tragedy, any event. And the very next one was, where was God when this tragedy occurred? Uh, uh-huh. yeah. yeah you, you can't make that up it, it happens it's the online culture has is, is gotten nuts mm-hmm. one, one thing I like to tell people to try you know just think of your think of your all time favorite book film or or musical project album I still call them albums yeah, I'm old school but think of that now go to Amazon and read the one star reviews of that thing <laughs> it's just it's like how, what this is the worst piece of trash you've ever experienced in your entire life it's my favorite movie what are you talking about uh, of course to be fair I have to read a lot of books and I read a lot of books I disagree with and there are a number of books <clears throat> I've given one star to on Amazon but uh, trust me I, I say much more than this is a piece of trash I don't go all out and <laughs> If I read a really bad atheist book sometimes, oh, that is going to be a very long blog entry that day. And I've even had to sometimes put a, a link up on Amazon and say, yeah, my whole review this is too long. Just click the link in the comment section. There you go. Here, because that, that's all that's needed. That when we were talking about the pop culture and such, uh, another aspect I'm thinking of is that Christian television, for the most part, it's usually <clears throat> pretty abysmal. Not much on there to really draw an audience in. And frankly, my wife and I usually just sit down and watch some of these television preachers if they're on, just to see how bad they are many times. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. We've made a joke that way these preachers talk, I said, um, I'd like to imagine... Can you think about these people going through a fast food line? 
<laughs> in the drive-thru, if they talk the exact same way. Yes, I'd, I'd like to get a, a, a Whopper, and I want a larger fire with that, and a, give, give, give me a milkshake. Like, yeah, when they, they, they get on the pulpit, they talk this way. Like, if, do they talk this way all the time, or is this just a show they are putting on for their audience? And a lot of it is, uh, it's it's a way to whip up emotion mm-hmm. and um, just stir the crowd. There's, um, oh, who was I thinking of? I should, I won't name names, but yeah, it's an, it's a, it's an, a lot of preachers, unfortunately, are actors. Yeah. And there's a stage persona that mm-hmm. they adopt that is, people can respond to it. You know, the guy will say, I heard a guy once in San Diego and he was doing that carnival Barker, you know, tent revival routine. Mm -hmm. And the audience was a little bit stoic. And I say, I I didn't even say, notice I didn't say congregation because it was an audience. (laughs) And that was completely, uh, subconscious I didn't intend to say that mm-hmm. but he stops and he goes how can y'all sit there so quiet when I'm preaching so good can I hear an amen you know just I need some noise I need yep. some noise feedback for me here people I'm entertaining mm-hmm. you aren't I yeah I, I always get very concerned when I hear a preacher ask someone to say amen because mm-hmm. it's been saying Hey, I need you all to build me up and affirm me and tell me I'm making good points because apparently my points aren't good enough on their own for you to just mm-hmm. say that spontaneously. <clears throat> right. There's a the founder, I believe, of the Word of Faith movement, Kenneth mm-hmm. Hagin. Uh-huh. He was... I used to listen to a lot of Christian radio when I lived in Missouri, and he was in the lineup, you know. They, they weren't very discriminating. But, you know, James Dobson followed by the Kenneth Hagin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he would go, he'd be in the middle of preaching and he, and he'd stop and he'd go, hallelujah. And the audience would be mildly responsive. So he'd scream it again. I said, hallelujah. Like you guys are not with me here. Come on. Mm-hmm. This is got to whip you up. Mm-hmm. Music. They do that with music too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about hymns versus some of the sappier stuff. Uh-huh. There, a lot of that is. Uh, I feel like we're tearing Christianity apart here, Nick. We shouldn't, be. <laughs> but um, you know, a lot of it's mood mood music. Mm-hmm. Let's get you emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I've preached a sermon, I've always tried to throw a lot of humor in there. The, if, if you don't tell a joke every few minutes or so, say something funny or amusing, your audience is just going to lose interest, especially today with, because of the internet, our attention spans have been absolutely killed. I mean, you Mm -hmm. see things like, too long, didn't read, and if you don't catch someone's attention in the first 20 or 30 seconds or so of what you're saying, they're not going to pay attention to really anything that you're saying the whole time. That's so true. That's why my comic is only four pounds long. Mm -hmm. But I used I work in in advertising, and yeah. so yeah, we you got to catch them right right now. 
And now with, with YouTube, um, companies have the ability to create, they still, it's, it's crazy. They'll call them commercials, but they'll be three minutes long. Yeah. It's like, I see three minutes on a YouTube video. I'm sorry. I'm out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not even going to start playing. It's three minutes long. Not happening. Mm-hmm. And when you spoke about commercials, I think the ones that we remember the most and no doubt do good for their products and companies the most are the funny ones. Uh, yeah, and usually. Yeah. I just shared with my own mother and my mother-in-law the other day, for instance, because we were talking about cats, and I shared the Geico commercial, the guy drowning in quicksand, going, go, go get up, go get up, and there's a cat just sitting there ignoring, and he's like, you know, if you're a cat, <laughs> you ignore people. That's what you do. And it, it's it's so hysterical, because we're cat owners, and, you know, yep, that's exactly what a cat does. And every time someone goes out and shares a commercial like that, Geico gets free publicity. Yep. It's, and Geico has a... I think their advertising agency is still Martin in Richmond, Virginia. But they, I mean, think of all the different campaigns that, that Geico has. I mean, they've, yeah. they had the cavemen, they've got uh-huh. the lizard, they've got completely off the wall funny stuff like that. Uh-huh. They're not, they're not locked into one thing. I feel sorry for the ad agency that has the Chick-fil-A account. Mm-hmm. All you get to work with are these cows. Mm-hmm. Right lines for cows. It's like, oh, please. And the thing is that Christian things aren't being shared. That way, we're talking about the Geico commercial or the State Farm commercial or things like that, but there's nothing thinking around, hey, look what these Christians have produced. Isn't this this hysterical? I mean, we we become just a culture unto ourselves, pretty much. Yeah, and one of of the comments I I really like on the comic comic is... um, are you guys Christian? I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, yes, we are. For some people who might be curious, I mean, I understand because sometimes I like it when I'm in a debate and I'm arguing a point and someone can't tell if I'm Christian or not because of the content of it in some ways. Like, you know, this is a point anyone could make and sometimes it is. So why is it that you like it when people just don't know right off if you're a Christian or not? Well, it's prim- It's usually because the issue being addressed is not a traditional mm-hmm. um, topic that you would see Christians even discussing, mm-hmm. or at least an. Yeah, that's that's probably it, Nick. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be Jesus, maybe gently scolding Carl for his um, wandering eye. Oh yeah, you know something like that, or or Kevin. There's there's one that the editor almost didn't put in the book, but they finally relented and let me put it in. And uh, Kevin goes to Jesus back when Kevin was a Christian, and he says, "Jesus, I've found the the woman of my dream. She's the one. This is the one, Jesus. Oh, thank you, thank you." And Jesus Jesus says. The heart is deceitful above all things, Kevin, and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? Mm. And Kevin says, you're speaking in code, Jesus. What are, you, what are you trying to say? He says, be careful which body part is making decisions for you. Any <laughs> any clearer? <laughs> yeah, when you were talking about one with Carl, I think I was talking about 
uh, I think it was when we go with Jesus, and he says, so, Jesus, you're saying that everything that you do inside, you know, every word that you say in secret will be shouted from rooftops, everything's going to be shown one day at judgment? Yep, Carl, even your Google searches are going to be shown. <laughs> yeah. And he just has this blank look, that's, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really thankful that that kind of thing got stuck in. Goes that that is exactly what the church needs to hear. Sometimes we need a slap across the face. Sometimes. Yeah, that's. I I I try to balance the slaps with, you know, some love. Yeah. And and you know, love sometimes has to be conveyed with a slap. It does. There was a um, a comic recently that I thought would do better than it has but it was uh, um, Kevin starts with God is love right Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus says well before you go that, down that mm-hmm. road Kevin love quotes does not mean look the other way it's all good anything goes permissiveness mm-hmm. and Kevin says wow Jesus you make God sound like I don't know some kind of and Jesus finishes the sentence for him and says, Loving Father, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to remind everyone right now that you're listening to a Deeper Waters podcast. Right now my guest is David Wilkie, author and artist behind Coffee with Jesus. But if you're listening next week, as you probably know, next Saturday is Halloween. And I'd like to always have someone on as a guest around Halloween time who's familiar with the occult and such and deals with the paranormal and things of that sort. I'm going to be having my friend Mark Hunneman join me. He's the author of the book, Seeing Ghosts Through God's Eyes. So we're going to be talking about ghosts, Halloween, things of that sort. So uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing, be listening next weekend. Even if you're not interested, I encourage you to listen anyway, because I'm going to have an interesting show still. But for now, let's get back to uh, David Wilkie and you know, when you were talking about that, I remember I was driving with my wife recently. She survived with some people she was with, and and how they they have a tendency to say love is love, and main talking about the homosexual debate. And I said, and the thing that's so problematic that statement is it's vacuous. It's not really saying anything. And I follow an example. Said, what if I told you quantum physics is quantum physics? I, said, I don't know what quantum physics is. So, well, neither do I really, but you know what? What I've told you is absolutely true. Quantum physics is quantum physics. That can't be denied. But that doesn't tell you what it is. So when people say love is love, well, the main thing we're wondering is, okay, I get that. But what's love? Hmm. Yeah. Now, let's you- What? You're not asking me to answer that, are you? No, no. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> no. But, good. You're, you're going too deep on me, Nick. Yeah. Oh, wait, it is called deeper water. It, it is. We go deep here. Uh, since we are talking about art here, let's talk about how you do for strip sum. Not just on the content side, but on the art side. I mean, do you do it all by hand? Do you use a computer? Or what do you do exactly? It is... Um, it's a Photoshop file consist. Well, actually, it was very unwieldy in the beginning because mm-hmm. I had a multiple-layered Photoshop document, mm-hmm. and 
the original artwork of the main four characters, Carl, and Lisa, Kevin, they came from stock clip art from the 1960s. I've seen, somebody actually sent me a picture of a high school cookbook from 1963, and there are the four characters sitting around the table. Mm. And it was a, it was a kick. And, but it's so old that it's royalty free. Yeah. And the image of Jesus is a slightly modified actual Sunday school clip art um, Jesus face stuck mm. on the stuck on the body of if you look at Kevin and look at Jesus, you'll notice they're the, they're the same exact body just reversed. Mm. And the character of Joe, I drew not by hand but in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. So basically all of whenever it's an, a new character's turn, I just bring up their blank Photoshop document. All the the characters are there and I fill in the words. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. I turn on the layer that has Carl frowning. Sometimes I'll turn on Carl's stubble or his glasses or his hat. Um Lisa also has a a frown face, so does Kevin, so does Joe actually. Mm-hmm. Because some, you know, sometimes in their conversation they're being told things they don't want to hear. Yeah. And so I I just like to show them or they they start off down, you know. They're just not feeling it today, Jesus. Mhm. And so, you know, you can't always be these smiling people. Right. And so then I just save it as a JPEG and, you know, save it for web, and mm-hmm. then it's ready to roll. So, no, nothing is by hand anymore. How long does it usually take you to put together a strip? Um, well, they are, <laughs> I keep a, you know, the notes app in your iPhone, if yeah. you have one. I, I have a very, very long list in notes of subjects, topics, ideas that I want to tackle. Mm-hmm. And um, I might, you know, it could it could be something as easy as listening to Alistair Begg in the morning on my walk mm-hmm. around the block here. And he might say something I've been thinking about, or he might say something I've never thought of. And I think, man, I could turn that into a comic. Mm-hmm. So I'll get home from work, and then after dinner I will stand at my office desk and try to address that topic and make it funny. Sometimes, mm-hmm. so, like I said, sometimes I can bang it out and I get a hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I'm getting sent back to the drawing board, you know, three and four times and it's 10 o'clock before I've actually nailed it and she's already asleep. And then so <laughs> it, can, it can be fast. It can be, it can take a while. Yeah, I remember hearing, I think her name is Kathy Gaswright. She does the Kathy concept. Yeah, I remember that one. She said she's gotten phone cards before from Charles Schultz. And he said, he'd say, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at a blank canvas, I've got all the panels here, and I have absolutely no idea what I can say today. Hmm. And have you, I mean, you say you keep your notes and such, but have you ever had anything like that happen where you've, Wanted to do a strip, and you get to your desk, and you look and say, "I have no idea what I'm going to do today." If if I don't have an idea, I won't force it, and that's mm-hmm. why the comic comes out about. I was trying to force it for a while there, but mm-hmm. that just, I mean, if if you're Charles Schultz and you're being paid millions of dollars to do this yeah. for a, a syndicate, yeah, mm-hmm. I could, but I I don't want to force it, and so the the comic is now about three three times a week. Mm-hmm. And if I've got nothing, I shouldn't be preaching nothing. Mm-hmm. 
you know I don't want to because like like we said in the beginning it's it's a responsibility people people look to this comic for their morning laugh slash inspiration mm-hmm. and if I'm just you know throwing out whatever I feel like I've you know I'm phoning it in and not even taking it seriously because we Christians need to strive to do our best in all we do I was you know I missed Allie the other day and she's about a friend of hers and talking about what he said his favorite Bible verse was and it was about from Genesis when you went thinking about Abraham falling on his face before God why is that your favorite because I'd probably do the same thing and <laughs> I said well hon you might be surprised if one of my what I'd say life verses it isn't a main one is it's First Corinthians 10.31 and I said I don't know that one I said a lot of people probably don't know it right off but it's in the context of Paul talking about meat offered to idols for the Corinthian church. And he says the issue, you know, isn't about what you eat or drink. And he says, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Well, that is a good verse to live by. It's, that's, that's very true. It's, mm-hmm. um, I've had some very menial jobs in my life. Uh-huh. And I'd, I'd find myself resenting them. Yeah. Uh, and... At a very um, a very low point in my life, I was uh, I was forced to take a job on a landscaping crew mm-hmm. as a lawnmower and a weed eater and very minimal wage. And I had been a professional, and it was a I I, I think it was the most fun I've ever had at a job. Because it, I did finally, at that point, learn, you you know, the rich person's house whose yard you're mowing, don't do it for them. Don't, you know, as the lady backs her Mercedes down the driveway and won't even look out the window at you low-life landscapers, mm-hmm. don't, don't do it for her. Mm-hmm. Do it for God. It's, right. this, is, this is the original work. What did God tell Adam and Eve to do? Mm-hmm. Tend the garden. Look at you. You get to tend the garden. You're out in nature. You're mowing grass and making it look pretty. And it's so when we would blow the yard off, I would imagine God looking down on that yard and going, "Nice job, guys." Yeah. <laughs> my my wife recently got a copy from her dad of the book "Practicing the Presence of God," and he said, "You need to read this and put practice." She was dealing with a lot of stress in her life, still is in many ways, and the story is about Brother Lawrence who was working in pretty much a soup kitchen and while he was there he was striving to find God everywhere and putting the presence of God because it was really a work that he didn't want to do but he said this is where I am and I'm going to find God in this work Mm-hmm. yeah my mother used to try to teach me that as a kid but you can't tell you can't tell an 8 year old who despises cleaning his room offer it up to God yeah <laughs> whatever that means mom yeah yeah the 8 year old was saying yeah I, I don't think I don't think God really cares what my Nintendo is right now <laughs> right uh, Practic- I, I have to look at practicing the presence I know I've seen that or yeah, it's it's one of the classics and I honestly need to borrow it from her and read it sometime I, I read something online of it or my Kindle, but I'm not sure it was the whole book. So I thought, yeah, I should probably go through it. And then, in fact, after going through it, that'd be something that we can 
talk about together. Now, when we're talking about audio, I mean, you you have done art a lot in the past. And what what are your what's your advice for Christian artists, for instance, once you are just wanting to start off and get into the industry? What do you think they should do? Well, this goes to uh, what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if your aim is ministry, mm-hmm. um, and you're actually going to be doing um, gospel-focused art, just um, mm-hmm. do, I don't force it. Mm-hmm. Teach art if you, if you're just. I, and, wow, that's such a loaded question, Nick. We mm. could talk for another two hours about mm. this. Great. But but let's uh, let's take an example. You're a painter. Okay. What do you, what do you want the viewer to get from your mm. painting? Do you want mm. do you want to show the love of God? Do you want to show the beauty of God's creation? Do you want to show the compassion of humanity as can be expressed through Christ? Um, yeah, that's so hard. Um, then there's the other, the flip side. Does it have to be because you are a Christian and an artist? Does it have to be quote unquote Christian? Right. Can it can it just be the best painting you did ever of a frog on a palm tree? You know, mm-hmm. does it have to say something? Can it just like you said? Um, what's the phrase you used? It, it's the same as offer it up to God, but. For the glory of God. For the glory of God, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have to have a cross mm-hmm. in it to be for the glory of God. I mean, there's there's a place, and that place, unfortunately, is the Christian bookstore, for mm-hmm. that inspiring art of, you know, the, the guy holding the hammer and the nails, and he's a modern-day guy like us, and he's like collapsed in Jesus' arms, you know. Right. Like, I, I nailed him to that cross, mm-hmm. was the message there. It's a... It's a powerful message, but not every painting that a Christian does needs to be that. Yes. I also remember someone telling me that they wanted to find a picture years ago of Jesus laughing. Uh-huh. Because it's so it that the only place you could actually find it, and I can't believe I'm saying this on the air, but we said that one was found in Playboy magazine. Huh. Uh, yeah. Because you don't see pictures of Jesus laughing and he had to laugh I, mean, I like how uh, Chesterton though ended orthodoxy his second one of the heretics orthodoxy and said there was something so great that Jesus hid from us when he walked upon this earth because it was so great that if he let it all out it might the war probably continues I often fancy there was something that he hid among us when he walked upon this earth and I have often thought that it was his mirth hmm that Jesus had joy when he was walking around amongst his creation, getting to experience his creation firsthand, and say this had to be a source of joy for the Son of God. Surely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, don't yeah. you wonder though? Didn't he say, "Wow, these these frail bodies, man"? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I liked it better when I was in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Now, what about when we're talking about how this is done for a Christian? Where even before that, I'm thinking C.S. Lewis once also said, since he said it, we have to ask if it should be explicitly Christian. 
C.S. Lewis once like, can you imagine the impact we could have on Christianity if you wanted to be an astronomer, for instance, and the best book on astronomy was written by a Christian, or if you want to be a doctor and the best book on medicine was written by a Christian. What if Christians were holding this place in academia, not going out there and explicitly saying they're Christians, but everyone you, hey, if you really want to learn this stuff and you want to do it well, you go to the Christians. Mm-hmm. That's, um, I think that was, um, where did I read that? I, I, I think they were referring to, to the Amish, and when, or no, no, it might have been early, at any rate, the point I've, I'm trying to make was, you know, maybe it was a Puritans, I don't recall. Maybe the Jesuits? Could have been, but it was it was the you know just the regular secular marketplace, mm-hmm. and and this particular brand of Christians were kind of on the margins. You know they mm-hmm. were they were regarded as weird, and before long they became known as you know you want a chair made, you want your shoes fixed, you go to the weirdos because they're serious and they they do good work, mm-hmm. and so that's what a Christian artist needs to do. Do good work. Don't mm-hmm. just slap a cross on it and and hope to make money in the Christian bookstore. Or slap a cross on it and think, because it's got a cross on it, therefore now it's automatically good. Mm-hmm. You can put a cross on something and it can be absolutely terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is the place to even talk about this, but the Coffee with Jesus comics have been uh, hijacked mm. by a, a group on Reddit, mm-hmm. and they also have a, a bogus Facebook page. And I gather that the people that are doing this are children, or at, at the at the very most college age, because they they will take my characters and Jesus and put incredibly profane and crude things mm-hmm. in the in the panels. I've uh, I've stopped worrying about them. They kind of died off. I think they had their fun and moved on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was not the place for that comment, Dave. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I was, in fact, thinking if in such a way you could, in fact, take that as a compliment. You can say, hey, you're out there. You're noticing me. You're noticing work. And when you share with stuff, you're just telling people more about what I'm doing. So thank you so much. Well, yeah, and it's taught me one of the hardest things mm-hmm. ever to do and that's pray for your enemies oh yeah uh, it's the internet what are you going to do tell them cease and desist they're just going to laugh at you and, and post a letter of your cease and desist and mock it yep. yeah so these guys you know clearly they have a atheistic bent or they're angry at God for whatever reason or Mm-hmm. Don't believe God exists. Whatever, pray for them. The very things you pray for yourself: mm-hmm. health, health, uh, financial well-being, peace, joy. Yeah. And and please uh, make them stop God. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've wrote a blog <clears throat> recently on justice for like in the past month or two or so. And one thing I <clears throat> I know is my prayer is that when we pray, we're very quick to pray for justice for people who wrong us. We are very quick to pray for mercy for ourselves. And we don't seem to ever really reverse those two. 
a lot of times. You don't say, God, you should be just with me and be merciful with my enemies. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'd all be dead if God was just with us. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, we, we were actually at a couple's event at our church last night, and the guy <coughs> was, <coughs> you know, said, yeah, I read this, and I thought it would be applicable for marriage, say for our topic, and it was some sections from Bible, and when the start was, love your enemies, I got down and said, you know, I find it very odd to start, but you're starting to talk on marriage and saying, love your enemies. Is there something you're not, you're <laughs> wanting to tell us about here? Yeah. Then you can go back to Chelsea, where we said, you know, Jesus said, love your family and love your enemies, and he said, it's, he said, he said it's because usually these two are the same people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so true. I'd like to uh, remind everyone that this is the Deeper Waters Podcast, and based on what I was asked earlier, everything we do here is listener-supported. We strive to bring you <clears throat> the best in Christian apologetics and such, and if you want to help to be a part of that, to support it, and like I said, I'm working on my master's. I could really use your support right now. I'm not like the Sarcasm Society. I do need your support. And... <laughs> If you want to do that, go to deeperwaters.ddns.net. Although we'll tell you, we have some problems with the site as it is now, so we're thinking of switching over to another server. And yeah, that's another way we could use your support here. <clears throat> but if you go there, you'll find a link on the side that says "Help Support the Work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries." You click there, it'll take you to Risen Jesus. That's the ministry of my in-laws, and everyone's going to bring me on board. And you can make a donation there. But if you make that donation there, it is tax deductible, and you need to contact me then, or Mike and Debbie, and say, hey, I made a donation. I want to go to Nick Peters. I want to go to Deeper Waters. Well, make sure we get it. And like I said, it is tax deductible. You can support us through Amazon by buying books that are on the e-store that we get. And I have done a lot of work on that lately. I think it is entirely up to date. As far as I know, even Coffee with Jesus is there. And what that means is you go to the e-store. You've heard about a book on my short show. You go to the e-store. You buy the book at the same price that you would already buy it on Amazon. But Amazon takes some of what you bought and gives it to us. And that really helps us out a lot. And if you hear about a book on the show and you don't see it at the store, maybe I overlooked it or something, Feel free to contact me and say, hey, can you put this book in the store? And I can see you about doing that. You can also buy some of the books that I've written or co-written, such as Defining Inerrancy or A Creed for the Ages, which is that last one, the one that I've written individually on my own. We'll look at the Apostles' Creed. I've got a few others there. And anyone you buy, <coughs> that really helps us out. And if you buy a book, please be kind enough to leave a review on the site. Uh, uh, hoping it's a positive review. <laughs> and if you really like this show, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive review. I I really like seeing those good reviews. And then finally, <clears throat> you can support us through purchasing jewelry. So you go to uh, our link there and you click in. The access code is LOVE. And my friend Lena Clester runs that. It's Premier Jewelers. And I suppose... You get the anniversary coming up 
or her birthday coming up. And trust me, guys, you better not forget any of those days. I've never forgotten them yet, but you'd better not forget them. I, I remember Michael Bird said one of his books about a, he, his wife said if he ever forgets one of those days again, it, he'd be pretty much begging for the plague that that came on the Assyrian soldiers. Let's <laughs> hmm. suppose you got that event coming up, and you want to buy some jewelry for your lady. Well, you buy it, and if you buy it through through Lena, and you mention us, whatever you bought, we will get 25% of a proceed. So, you buy a $100 piece of jewelry, for instance, we get 25 bucks. You've gotten something special for your lady, you're going to win with that, and you made a donation to a ministry at the same time. I mean, that That's a really hard deal to beat. Now, David, do you have any organization or or ministry that you'd like to see people donate to? Well, not particularly, Nick. I would suggest that if after supporting Nick's ministry, you want to peruse, you know, possible Christmas gifts, check out the books, Coffee with Jesus and a second shot of Coffee with Jesus, mm-hmm. available from InterVarsity Press or Amazon or Google Books. Uh, available in Kindle and paperback, but mm-hmm. not until you've supported Nick, and um, only for Christmas. Yeah. I, okay. Fine. You can buy a buy a whole case of them for your Sunday school class. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that, but it's going to be hard to buy a whole case of them if they buy them on Kindle. No, that's but, true. <clears throat> the Kindle books right now I'm looking are nine ninety nine a piece on Amazon. The uh, first one on paperback, it's. Fourteen thirteen, and the second one is thirteen thirty seven. So people those are pretty good prices, and it's a really great strip. Now, getting back to what would be encouraged, how about a, if someone's an aspiring artist and I want to learn how to do art better, would you encourage art school for them, for instance? Oh sure, I I, I wish I had more of a formal education in in what I do for a living. You can't, I mean, I could have saved a lot of uh, learning the hard way. I just I just finished a book about Leonardo, I didn't finish writing it, I finished reading it, about Leonardo's um, Vitruvian Man and how that picture has lasted for 500 years. Mm-hmm. It's called Da Vinci's Ghost by Toby Lester, I believe is his name. Um, but I... I think it was maybe 14 years old when Leonardo's father sent him to Milan to be an apprentice where he apprenticed for a good long time you know find find somebody that does what you want to do and and beg them if you can shadow them you know just for a little while and it if you don't have the means to go to school you can always learn from somebody or apprentice yourself to that person even mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely essential that people have mentors today <clears throat> that they can go to. And I also encourage them that make sure your mentor, as much as you can, is someone of the same sex as you are. That's good advice. Yeah, because they understand what you're going through better. I have a guy who I really admire, and I contact him and said, I'm going to improve my spiritual walk. I don't pray the way that I should. I don't do that kind of thing enough, and I want to do better. 
Would you be my mentor and help keep track of me and let me know how I'm doing and such? I said, sure, absolutely. And this is a pretty busy guy, but he agreed to take it on. And <clears throat> I email him every night. I tell him how my day is gone. I tell him that I've said my prayers. And sometimes I say, you know, it was just really, really hard today. Or it was really good today and such. And then I'll just tell him how my day has gone. Sometimes he emails back with a little bit of advice and such. Sometimes he doesn't. But he tells me, and I have no reason to doubt, he says, I read everything you send. And he's been <coughs> a good mentor to me anyways. I've sent something I've written and said, hey, what do you think of this? And you're giving me some input. And it's a guy I really look up to. And like, this is just something really essential. I mean, I have a lot of other mentor figures. But this is one person that said, I really want you to be the one who's going to keep track track of me, keep tabs of me, and every now and then I have people come to me who want to get my help on something. I think some of them look to me as a mentor figure, and <clears throat> I remember hearing someone say recently that in a good Christian life, you should be being discipled constantly, and you should disciple someone else constantly. It's hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got my first job in radio by they... I I just really wanted to work in radio, and so I went to this Christian radio station and said, "I will work for free for a month. Just let me let me in the door. You mm-hmm. don't even have to pay me." And they hired me. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, that's not always going to happen, but yeah. there there are internships. There are ways to to learn. Mm-hmm. Let's suppose <clears throat> we got someone who might not have the means to go to school right now but they really like art and they want to do it better and they're not sure what to do what kind of advice would you give them um well the tools available to you online are amazing mm-hmm. I mean you can learn to play guitar now from YouTube mm-hmm. you can um you know pick it pick pick up whatever it is you want to do Mm-hmm. And and go ahead and fail at it. Yeah. I mean, I I have zero formal training in Photoshop, but I've just through trial and error learned a lot of fun stuff. Also through you know the tutoring tools that are available. Um, do you have an example, Nick? We could you know well, if, it, if it if it's writing that you want to be better at, mm-hmm. read good writers. Mm-hmm. If it's uh, <clears throat> we talked about Phil Keggy earlier. Yeah. He, I played guitar. I haven't. Mm-hmm. My guitar's right across the room from me right now. I, I can see it, and it has dust on it. So that tells you how often I play right now. Mm-hmm. But I used to go, uh, whenever he was in town, I would not miss a Phil Kagi concert. That's a guy that will make your guitar collect dust because once you've seen him, it's like, yeah. forget it. Forget <laughs> there's no hope. I, I'm the worst guitar player in the world. That's all yeah. there is to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, that happens when I read good writers. Uh, I, I was just reading a magazine article in the Atlantic a couple of days ago, and this guy just could turn a phrase so well, and just just a, every paragraph was a masterpiece. And I just I felt so small. <laughs> you know, it's something to strive for. You know, you can I can get better. Yeah, if there was anyone like that for me in the writing field, 
I love reading N.T. Wright. I mean, they <coughs> had recently, he had so many of his e-books on sale, and I've said, okay, I've just now got done wiping off a drawer off of my keyboard. <laughs> I just adore reading N.T. Wright, his style, the way he delivers, and if I hear if I hear an audio of him, I just love to listen to him. And I, I found out recent, <coughs> a few months ago that he'd been here in Tennessee in Chattanooga, and I didn't know about it. Uh, it. It took a while before my wife was able to get me to stop weeping about that. But, <laughs> Are you uh, near Chattanooga? <clears throat> we're in Knoxville. It's okay. about a couple of hours away from us. Okay. I love Chattanooga. I only get to drive through it once in a while, but that's a neat little city. That when we are talking about another kind of example, I, I think one person I'd definitely be thinking about is my own wife, for instance, who loves anime and doing that style of art, which I'm sure you know quite a bit about. And I, I don't know much mm-hmm. about anime, but go ahead. Anime, manga, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously right now she can't afford going to formal schooling, although she did have an art teacher for a while who's had to move on to other projects and such. But I, I'd love to get her a teacher, <clears throat> and if I see a book on Amazon and she says, Oh, I think this could help me. I'm looking immediately to see, do I have enough Amazon credit so hmm. I can get this book for her? And I like something that you said when you're talking about that, about don't be afraid to fail. Because yeah. as you start off, you're going to make mistakes. I've told people who get started in Christian projects, when said, you're going to go out there, you're going to debate some people who disagree with you, and you are going to get your sorry butt kicked. Mm-hmm. Come back and do your studies more because <clears throat> if you're afraid to fail you never even want to try you're not going to get anything done yeah yeah that's that's very true now <laughs> the one thing that I would uh, uh, in my own personal life if, if there's a like a home improvement project uh-huh. I'm I'm calling in a pro I can't, yeah. <laughs> you know I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fail and ruin my uh, plumbing yeah, yeah. You don't fail if serious bodily or financial injury could come up, come to you because of your failure. Yeah. yeah. But if you're starting out and you're not a major name and you're just trying to get out of the field, you're going to fail a few times. I mm-hmm. I'm thinking about somebody I was talking to me once and we were just having a debate because sometimes she can have a hard time with relationships. And I said, "Hun, have I?" ever really failed you and she says well I can only think of one time and I said well hon if you can only think of one time I'm doing great because I can probably think of a hundred more (laughs) (laughs) that's good Nick it it doesn't take much because I can say yeah and I I know I'm going to screw up sometimes and in fact I tell hon I can definitely promise you this I'm going to fail you many times as a husband because I am a sinful human being who is going to screw up sometimes. I can mm-hmm. promise you that. Yeah. We do it. Yeah. And and men are worse at it. Yeah. Much worse. And when you're talking about looking at someone like Phil Kagi on the guitar, I'm remembering that. When I was in seminary once, we had a, someone come in, our professor came in, and he showed a clip of someone playing the drums and just doing a number on them and he said, well, I'm going to go home now and burn my drum set <laughs> at this point. Isn't yeah. that also the, a danger and the same fear that we can 
look at what these professionals who have been doing things for years are doing and say, well, if I can't do it at that level right off, I might as well not even try. Yeah, that 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 is a danger, and that yeah, you you can't. I mean, I'm never going to. to have you ever watched um, what was it called? New Yankee Workshop. No, I never heard of it even. It was it was a show on PBS, and this guy was a woodworker, and he would make the most amazing things, and he would do it. You know, of course, it's shot over a couple of days. They condense it into an hour. Yeah, and just making amazing things out of wood, you know, uh, a, a hutch or a china cabinet or a, an actual wagon that rolls, you know, with wood wheels and everything. And my daughters are saying to me, Daddy, why, why can't we have, why can't you do that? I said, well, because I'm not sponsored by Delta and I don't have that guy's shop. <laughs> if, if I had his shop, I could probably eventually maybe do some of that stuff. But yeah. if we're not doing this with a handsaw, girls. You know, you know when... But, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, um, I but but I'm I'm not going to not try to make something for my girls because I don't have that shop. It's not going to be anywhere near what this guy mm-hmm. did, but but I'm going to. It'll have some rough edges, maybe some ugly joints, but uh, we we'll we'll do something for you. Yeah, you know when <clears throat> you're watching that show, it's professionally done, and I'm guessing it wasn't live. Oh, of course not. No, and no. And so what we're missing, Vindy, in the show is there are probably quite a few screw-ups and such that took place in the process of making, but they don't show that on yeah. the They only show when things go well. And I remember that because usually as a gamer, sometimes I can be in a game and be in a tight spot, and I'll go look up a, a YouTube video and say, wow, this guy's doing this flawlessly. Hey, hey I see that. Okay, I can go do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. The same is the same is true of cooking shows, you know. And, yeah. and there's a there's an art that you fail at pretty regularly before you get it right. Yeah. I mean, just just grilling a steak, I can you know that's sometimes you can mess that up. Yeah. But I was uh, on the subject of creativity and art and getting better. I uh, have some oaks and palms and one um, maple in my front yard, mm-hmm. and actually two pines as well and they needed trimming and this guy uh, a crew came out and the, the main guy who was going to be doing all the climbing and hanging from ropes and everything he was uh, he stood there in the front yard with his hands on his hips and he was just looking at the canopy and he was sketching it out in his mind he was going okay I'm going to do this and that's going to go away and then that'll open this up and and it was like he was an artist, and he was he was planning the the canvas. Mm-hmm. And I, not long after he left and did a great job and made it look exactly like he said it would, I, I realized and I wrote a blog post about it that everyone everyone has a creative side, mm-hmm. and it might not be something you might traditionally consider art. Right. You know, you might be stacking the dishes in the dish rack after washing them mm-hmm. just just the way you do that mm-hmm. involves creativity i'm gonna put the plates here i'm gonna balance this knife over here oh well it's getting full this pot is gonna have to hang off of that and by the end it's a modern art sculpture mm-hmm. you know everybody 
has a creative side. You you think of traditional, traditionally uncreative fields like oh, what would you think of? Accounting. Okay. That in, I mean, just to that involves logic and thinking ahead and planning mm-hmm. and and there's there's an art to it. And what do you bet the accountant does something on the side that is very artistic. He might be a master at trimming his hedges around the house or mm-hmm. whatever it is. The, the, anyway, my point is everyone is a, is creative. You know, one of the things that I've offered to do at our church, I mean, I do a lot for us, but I've said, if you're ever preaching a sermon and you want a meme image that you can use, give me an idea of what you want and I could probably put together something funny mm-hmm. that I can use. I, I haven't been asked to do this yet, but there are so many times that I'll see something going on on Facebook and I think, oh my gosh, I have to go and make something funny about this. And I'll just go straight to Meme Generator, start typing things in, and I keep several, several of them on my computer so that whenever any situation rises up, I can go there and I can put in a quick little thing. And I, I think it's, it's something that can leave an impact as well because people appreciate the originality they appreciate the humor they it's it's in that sixth and that's the stuff that gets shared a lot of times yeah and when you were talking about having this idea of always being perfect I mean what we have to realize is when we start we are going to screw up many times I mean this you're an aspiring artist, years down the road, you're going to look back at some things you did at the start and say, dang, I can't believe that I did that back then. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you did. But that's exactly how you grow. You you learn from the mistakes that you make and strive to do better next time, every time, and you're never going to reach that perfection. I mean, you spoke about Phil Kagey, even he is still practicing oh, yeah. out and trying to get better and better and Barry probably spends hours every day playing. I, I came across a. Um, I was cleaning out a file cabinet a couple of weeks ago in search mm-hmm. of something I needed, and I just decided, why am I keeping all this junk in here? And so I started throwing stuff away, and I came across some doodles and um, writings of mine from 20 years ago, and they were embarrassingly bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> It was good to see them. I, I still ended up throwing them away, but it was it was it was Hiding good to the see. evidence. Yeah, exactly. I, in fact, I took that bag to the dump personally. <laughs> but it was you know it was good to, to recognize that okay, you've grown as an artist. You're you're better than mm-hmm. that guy. Yeah. I heard someone talking recently. I've been my own pastor about meeting someone who was a master pianist. Was, what? What does it take? What goes into being a master pianist? He said, about six to eight hours of practice every day. Mm. I I don't even know if I could have done something like that. But at the same time, if you really love a fear, you have to. I've told my wife, I said, hon, I love Christian projects. There are many times I actually do not want to sit down and be reading a book. I would rather be doing a whole lot of other things, but... I know what needs to be done. And then the, the very humorous part is, as soon as I sit down and really get into it, I find myself enjoying myself immensely and saying, 
why would I be wanting to do anything else here? Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. you got to have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason why I, I probably couldn't be as much of an artist, although Ali does think that I've got a lot more artistic ability than I have. I, I drew a picture of a cartoon character for one time when she was sick. I tried to draw a picture of her, and it turned out terrible. Because the, and she said, yeah, drawing people, real people as they are, is extremely difficult. And then I drew a picture of a character for her, and she said, did you trace it? <laughs> no. No, I didn't. And that's your first attempt at drawing something? Yeah. That's really good. And so every now and then, I'll try and get out her pencils and such and draw something for her that I think she'll like. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I, I've told her I don't think I could do this entirely because it just really isn't my passion that much. I, I can enjoy it when I do it, but when I sit down and I go into a debate mode or do something like that, then yeah, that's what I'm doing. She put something up on her Facebook recently because she's a big fan of a Dragon Ball series, and she had one with Gohan getting into a fight and said, "This is my husband in a debate." <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, what what are your hobbies besides apologetics? Well, for what I do, also for all listening, is where well, reading is one thing, but video games—that's a big passion, a big hobby of mine. Which is a lot of role-playing games like Final Fantasy and such. And I've told Alice that hey, you missed the golden age of video games because we're ten years apart. I'm ten years older than she is. Mm-hmm. So when the Super Nintendo and such came out, that was the golden age. Everything great right now just builds on that. <clears throat> and we, we like to watch some shows together. She's actually a girl who doesn't like to go watch the chick flicks. And so, uh, although I did have to watch the notebook. I understand that's a requirement. <laughs> but we'd much rather go and see the new James Bond movie or the Avengers. We... We watched Big Bang Theory together. We also watched The Flash, any other series. Definitely looking forward to Supergirl coming out. And when Smallville was out, I was watching Smallville religiously. So, yes, she had to watch the whole series. Although she, <laughs> she didn't watch the episode about bugs because she hates bugs. But, yeah, that's pretty much how it is at our house. That's awesome. Hey, you know, we were talking about... Um, well, you've got your next podcast is the occult. Yeah. But we were talking about you know Christian messages getting out yeah. in unlikely ways. Uh-huh. Speaking of TV shows, and I wasn't a fan, but members of my household were watching it, and so I caught a few episodes. Uh, Supernatural. Uh huh. Have you ever seen this show? I've seen one or two episodes. I don't get into it because it's really not good for my wife to see that kind of stuff she can get caught up into it easily I, but I, I understand I, okay I, one episode I definitely did watch it was like Pac-Man fever about them being trapped in the video game I saw a preview I said okay hun I have to see this I have to see what this is like <laughs> but go ahead but they will often bring up um bible passages mm-hmm. they will talk openly about Satan mm-hmm. um they are 
it's it's very while it's very extra biblical, mm-hmm. they are almost well very often they are referencing the Bible. They are at least sparking, I think, an interest in their audience mm-hmm. to look look into these things. Right. Not necess- I mean, hopefully not the occult, although I can see where that would happen. But yeah. look look into this this greatest story ever told and mm-hmm. the battle that's going on, you know, right outside of our consciousness the real very real real spiritual battle that is out there mm-hmm. I mean I'm not recommending it as an evangelism tool but yeah. it it can it could spark a curious person to you know dive in yeah and you know I think one of the things that we need to do and we're watching is we can interact with these materials and even if the gospel is not there explicitly and even if the author didn't intend for the gospel to be there. We can still find some points that we can use for discussion. When we were, when I was in seminary, I remember there was a professor who liked to use movies as conversation pieces, and he'd have some of us come over and watch a movie at the seminary. And we came over once, and we all watched the Truman Show. Mm-hmm. And there was discussion afterwards about what do you think the author meant. By the symbolism, I think it was talking about how God does such and such and such and such. And I was back there, and I was, and I made my own comments. But one concern I was saying is, is, I think a lot of you are looking at this, and you're assuming the author is thinking from a Christian perspective, like you are, and that's not necessarily so. They could be thinking from an atheistic perspective or anywhere else on the spectrum. So the first thing you have to do is say, what did they want you to get out of this? But then you can say. But what message can you get out of it? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the, that's the proper order. Yeah. If we try and make everything explicitly Christian, we're not going to do it. I mean, uh, the the Star Trek series, for instance, I'm, I actually never got into it. I know a lot of people are going to be shocked at that, but I never got into it. But it's my understanding that Gene Roddenberry was fine. He was very much a secular humanist. Oh yeah. The show is not Christian in any way whatsoever. But you know, I know so so many people who can look and say, you know, we can find things in there that we can still use in our evangelism. You know, I when that's not remember someone telling me years ago was that if you ever have a story, you got a hero and a villain somewhere in there, you do have the gospel, and that gives us what C.S. Lewis said when he said when the gospel came. We see hints of it all over the world already with dying and rising figures and such. But then when Christianity came, it's the myth that became true. Hmm. That's C.S. Lewis, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He, he said, why should it be surprised? The story was already written. <clears throat> I mean, we see the same thing in day-to-day life. You plant a seed, it dies, <clears throat> and up comes something new and he said and this is what we have going on I've got here in my library some books for instance I've got a I Like the Monk series when it was on Adrian Monk the obsessive compulsive detective oh yeah yeah my my parents thought I was Monk and uh, I've got Mr. Monk and philosophy for instance where you have people who look at these pop culture icons and such and say hey that's right philosophy about them. and it's so excellent and then in kinder 
to go along with that, and I wish more people would do this series. Like I said, I grew up in the classic gaming industry. Legend of Zelda was one of my favorites. And I've mm. got The Legend of Zelda and Theology, where an author and some of his friends wrote from a Christian perspective and said, here are some Christian themes we find in the Zelda series. Now, this is what the, this is what the church needs to be doing, because you know, you're not likely to go to a water cooler and get someone talking about that last sermon that you saw on TV recently. But you can get them talking about their favorite movie, their favorite TV show, and you can go from there and get something done with that. Mm-hmm. Nicely said, Nick. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> we, are, we are getting close to some. Sometime we're going to have to wrap up uh, what what other tips, if any, can you think of that you would give to aspiring artists out there in the field who are wanting to go out there and get their work recognized as well? Well, obviously, social media is what worked for me. Oh, yeah. Um, um, although I'm really starting to get frustrated with the ever-changing rules of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, social media is a great free uh, opportunity to get your mm-hmm. stuff in front of a lot of people. Um, yeah. Don't don't be afraid to promote it first to your friends. You mm-hmm. know, just get them to like your page or at least you know link link to it. That's when Facebook first was offering um, you know custom names mm-hmm. after Facebook dot com slash you know Radio Free Babylon. You needed um, I think it was something as little as 25 likes mm-hmm. in order to be eligible for that. So I just told all my friends, hey, I really want this private or, you know, personalized domain. Please go like my page. Mm-hmm. And they did, and I got 25, and so I was able to secure that domain mm-hmm. for free. Yeah. And it, use use the people in your world. I mean, don't, don't use them. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know... Um, you know, well, if if your wife, obviously you're going to be her first page like, uh-huh. you you would be, and her parents and her friends. Um, but aside from getting your, I mean, back to our earlier uh, discussion, not just getting it out there, but just start. Just, yeah. Just start and fail. Mm-hmm. And watch and learn, and find somebody that does it, and mimic them. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? Don't steal from them, but yeah. see what's working for them mm-hmm. in that in whatever particular field that is that you're hoping to get good at. Mm-hmm. And it could be a lot of these times someone would love to mentor you. I mean, I think the person who mentors me, I think he did also because there are so many people that he gets to teach. Sometimes, but to have just one person you can pour yourself into, a lot of people would really love that, because that's something you can pass on all the learning that you've got, and there's someone who really wants it. So a lot of people could be thrilled of a chance to be a mentor to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other people won't have time, mm-hmm. but you know you got to respect that. And I agree with you on social media. It's free advertising. I mean, the main reason I'm on social media not interacting with friends and such because this is how I can best broadcast what I'm doing to the world. 
And it's not a bad idea. I've done this. I have uh, probably six different Twitter accounts. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to be a profession or if it's going to be something separate from your personal life, go ahead and create another uh, Twitter handle or Mm -hmm. Facebook page or, you know, it doesn't have to be, what am I trying to say? Keep, if, if, if all of your Facebook posts, you know, I have nieces and nephews and that are friends with me on Facebook. If all I'm doing is sharing coffee with Jesus with them, they're going to yeah. turn me off really fast. Yeah. And, and they won't hear anything from Uncle Dave. Mm-hmm. But so I have a separate account for my stuff like coffee with Jesus and then I'm you know I'm my own self mm-hmm. I'm my, I'm just Uncle David mm-hmm. other places mm-hmm. well David it's been an interesting discussion very fascinating but we're reaching a time where we have to start wrapping things up here if someone wants to find out more about you and what you're doing do you have a blog or website place a way they can get in touch with you the most um the thing, actually, unfortunately, that I pay the most attention to right now, my, like your website, mine is a little bit um, uh, neglected, I guess. This is, well, yours isn't your fault. Mine is. Yeah. But but I would go to, uh, to get in touch with me, just go to facebook.com slash Radio Free Babylon. You can message us. You can write on our wall. We'll probably erase it. Just kidding. But But we respond to messages within a day. And, it, you know, if anybody wants to say hi or ask a question, by all means. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any uh, final message you'd like to leave today with the Deeper Waters audience? We've covered so much ground here, Nick. It's been fun to get to know you. And mm-hmm. uh, um, I just I just want to say thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Nick, for bringing me on. Well, I'm glad to do that. I really like the strip, and... We like the world of art now, and gotta have some talk on that. <laughs> well, I like to remind everyone that next week we are talking about the occult. We're going to talk about ghosts and things, ghosts and goblins and things that go bump in the night, we should say. And Mark Huneman, author of Seeing Ghosts Through God's Eyes, is going to be my guest. For now, I am Nick Peters.